Zhanghua City's Nanguo Street is known for its many small eateries, catering to students of all ages nearby. Everything here is affordable, but that doesn't mean that the quality falls short. Even those who's graduated years keep coming back for nostalgia's sake. With all three gas stoves turned on, the eatery owner cooks up different orders simultaneously. In a blink of an eye, the meals are ready. In a sizzling pan, the chef makes scrambled eggs with ham. Add rice, give it a mix and some seasoning. Here comes a scrumptious bowl of egg fried rice. A soft bed of white rice drizzled with minced pork stew and topped with a fried egg. A quick hearty meal for only 50 NT. On this street in Zhanghua, lined with small eateries, you'll find everything from rice and noodle dishes to sandwiches, all at bargain prices. When I was little, I'd come here with my older sister. Everything's delicious and affordable, so now I also bring my kids here. This breakfast shop caters to the large student body nearby. Apart from the typical breakfast options, there's also an Oldung stall cooking various ingredients, such as pork meatballs, pig's blood cake and fish cakes. The place is nostalgic for many who have studied nearby. I'm here today for a taste of nostalgia of my student days. It tastes the same as I remember. There are many students here, so it feels like I'm transported back to my youth. The most popular dishes are the one-pot noodles, fried rice, and rice with minced pork stew. Students say rice dishes are more filling, while the working population finds the one-pot noodles delicious. With just a few coins, one can enjoy a decent meal here. It's not just a blessing to students on tight budgets, but many still come back for more years after leaving school. Taiwan shuttlers on Sunday bagged a silver medal at the French Open. At the men's doubles event, Yang Bohan and Lu Jingyang, ranked just number 25 in the world, beat out all their opponents to make it to the finals against India. After losing the first game, the Taiwan duo staged a stunning comeback in their second, but it was ultimately not enough to win the championship title. Still, Silver is the team's best run at a Super 750 event since they started working together in 2016. In the final, Taiwan's Yang Bohan and Lu Jingya were up against India. Ranking in at number 25 in the world, the Taiwan duo put on a formidable show at the French Open, defeating team after team. In the round of 32, they even prevailed over their Indonesian rivals, one of whom was Marcus Fernaldi Gideon, a former world number one. Together, Yang and Lu surged to the final game. Ding. In the final, the Taiwan duo was at the receiving end of a strong offensive from their Indian opponents, who were fresh from a gold win at the Commonwealth Games. Taiwan lost the first game 13-21 and trailed behind for a good part of the second game. With the score at 4-8 to India, the Taiwan shuttlers put on a stunning comeback. Slowly but surely racking up points, Taiwan evened the score at 15-15, making the final moments of the game a real nail-biter. Ultimately, India won the second game 21-19, 
marking India's first ever gold in men's doubles in a Super 750 event. Yang and Lu had to settle for silver, a noteworthy achievement, especially considering that the pair only started teaming up in 2016. Taiwan's living national treasures are government-recognized craftspeople of global caliber. Many are keeping alive ancient traditions that only remain in Taiwan. Today, we meet Yan Yuying, who is a master of weaving with banana tree fiber. The traditional skill comes from the Kavalon tribe and is used to make clothes and reusable objects that are super environmentally friendly. But few people are continuing the craft. We learned uh, from the octogenarian some steps in this fascinating ancient art. An elegant hat woven with the utmost care. A vest decorated with totemic patterns. Colorful threads create a sophisticated geometric pattern. These hand-woven fashion items were made entirely from fibers from the banana tree. How do you make a hat from a banana tree? This living national treasure can show you. Yan Yuying demonstrates how to weave a strip of dried banana fiber. The 83-year-old member of the Kavlin tribe weaves beautiful pieces using skills passed down generation to generation in her tribe. When I was 62, my husband said, if you don't learn how to do it, the skill will die out. So that's why I started learning. Her husband's encouragement was what propelled her to become a craftswoman in her golden years. She's since been honored by the Ministry of Culture with living national treasure status. Now her daughter is in on the act too, and the banana weaving craft has fresh horizons. She shows us how to strip the bark off a felled banana tree, layer by layer. The fibers are washed and dried and then wound together to make thread. That's all before you even start weaving. But Yen says all the hard work is more than worth it to preserve this rich cultural heritage. They're teaching it in Xingxia community and in Yilan. We can't let these skills disappear. We only do this in the Kavalan tribe, nowhere else in the world. Yen is a staunch advocate for her tribe's traditional art and its very practical uses. A team of Taiwanese engineers has created a way to improve car shock absorbers using artificial intelligence. The new shock absorber system can be fitted onto existing vehicles to improve their safety and comfort. Experts say the technology could be worth 750 million NT in the future. We spoke to Ling Yunchen, professor of automatic control engineering, to learn how the system works and how it could improve the cars on Taiwan's roads. This is the first car in Taiwan to be fitted with smart electronic shock absorbers. Currently, this system can be used on all kinds of different vehicles, even large buses and electric buses, which have air suspension. We can actually add on AI-controlled decision-making and image detection while continuing to use the air suspension. Lin says that engineers have created a database of the flaws in Taiwan's roads with almost 90,000 data points. The key innovation, a detection system for road paving flaws, can instantly detect six types of road surface flaws within a 20-meter distance, including puddles, waterholes, and potholes. The AI decision-making crystal system determines how the smart car's shock absorbers will work on different types of roads. 
The inventors are working with a Taiwanese auto electronics company to bring the technology to the market. We are using Professor Lin's road obstructions detection in our forward warning driving systems, including our forward crash prevention and risk management, which alert the driver in advance. These systems combine AI with new imaging technologies to improve both safety and comfort for drivers and passengers. The team is in talks with Taiwanese bus companies and hopes to expand the system's use even more. Taiwanese vaccine maker Medigen on Monday disclosed the price at which it sold its COVID vaccines to the Taiwan government. All in all, the average sale price of the vaccines was 840 NT per dose. The announcement comes amid criticism from the opposition KMT, which has called on the government to be more transparent about the current process. At a routine press conference on Monday, CECC head Victor Wong said there have been no irregular irregularities in the purchase agreement. The price of the vaccines we purchased from Medigen was lower than for the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. We didn't overpay. There are also no price discrepancies or any other issues regarding this. So stop spreading rumors. The confidential parts of the commercial contract will remain confidential. Medigen made the announcement of its own accord. Whether they want to disclose more information on the contract is up to them. In a statement, Medigen said the government had acquired 5 million COVID shots from the company for 4.03 billion NT. Of them, 2 million were single-dose vials priced at 881 NT apiece, and 2.8 million shots in multiple-dose vials for 810 NT apiece. The remaining 200,000 doses were given free of charge to the government. The company says the numbers are in line with its revenue from last year to the first half of this year at 3.62 billion NT. A new cycle path is soon to open at Sun Lake. Nantone's most spectacular beauty spot is already a favorite among cyclists. But the lakeside cycle route is often very busy, so busy that local officials are building a new route over the water to ease crowds. The new cycle path will stretch from the Idathau Pier to Sun Moon Lake Railway Station. Officials say it will open by the Lunar New Year. Beautiful scenery is reflected in the lake. Two metal tracks rise from the surface of the water, stretching from Itathal Pier to the banks of the lake. They look a bit like a railway, but in fact, this is the new cycle path built by Sun Moon Lake administration. The underwater columns are already complete, so now we're laying the tracks on top. When that's finished, we'll be able to flatten the surface and add railings. The cycle path around the outside of the lake is already internationally renowned for its unique scenery. The section from Shangshan to Shuishe is full of tourists at every weekend and holiday. Sun Moon Lake officials say that particular section is dangerous as it forces cyclists to share the lanes with motor vehicles. That's why they designed the new cycle path to give cyclists a safer experience. After you've seen the Itathau Old Street, you can take the cycle path or the footpath all the way to the ropeway station and then go from there to Nine Frog Stack. The whole route will have a cycle path and a footpath. Local business owners say the new path will attract more visitors and create diverse tourism opportunities for Itathau Pier. We're really looking forward to it because we think it's a fantastic route and spot. Tourists also say they're keenly awaiting the new path's launch. 
The cycle path is 70% complete according to Sun Moon Lake administration. They hope to finish construction by the end of 2022 and open the path for users by the Lunar New Year. It's almost time for Harvest Festival at Liu Dui Cultural Park. The traditional Hakka festivities will kick off on November 15th. This year, the theme is Hakka Birthday Customs. A series of events over three weeks will give visitors many chances to learn more about Taiwan's Hakka history. Liu Dui Harvest Festival will be based on an eco-museum concept for its seventh year. The 12 Hakka villages of Liu Dui will exhibit Hakka harvest festivities. This year, the theme is birthday celebrations. As in past years, local Ba'in musical groups and Lisheng ceremonial officials will be invited to a Wanfu ceremony before the festival proper begins. They'll carry out a tour of shrines to thank the gods, including a ceremony to receive blessing from local land gods. Members of the public can write prayers on limited edition blessing cards. We have asked the 12 townships to bring over their land gods to the festival to be stationed alongside the god Zhong Yong Gong and to protect everyone. You can come to the park with your sincere and joyful heart and tell your wishes to the land gods. To symbolise a bountiful harvest, lettuces are picked from the earth. The three-week festival includes opportunities for picnics, camping and gentle breaks in Hakka villages. It's a family-friendly event. Coming to the area, people can enjoy a shared activity and a shared memory. So in 2017, we had 1,000 people making lemon vinegar together with lemons from Gaoshu Township. We will use it again in the opening ceremony. This year, the Grand Chef, Master Ahai, will preside over the traditional Eating Blessings Banquet. He'll serve up many Hakka dishes with a diverse range of specialties from the different groups across Liu Dui. For fans of authentic Hakka culture, the Harvest Festival is an unmissable experience. Tropical Storm Nage did not make landfall in Taiwan, but its periphery has combined with northeasterly winds to impact local weather. As with past tropical storms, it brought considerable rain throughout the country, especially in the mountains of Yilan County. The county's Shima Mountain accumulated nearly 1,500 millimeters of rain over the past three days. The rain has caused flooding and landslides that have obstructed the road in many areas of the mountain. Let's hear from a forecaster. Yilan and mountainous areas near Taipei, as well as the northern coastal area, often encounter periods of continuous torrential rain. These areas have already seen several collapsed sections of road, including landslides. Tropical storm Nage is going to move off toward the west tomorrow, so it will be some distance from Taiwan and it is not likely to have a direct impact on local weather. However, the periphery of the storm will have a continued effect on Taiwan's weather throughout the night and into the early hours of tomorrow morning. The Weather Bureau says that extremely heavy rain will continue to batter Yilan and mountainous areas near Taipei on Tuesday. Taipei, Taidong and the Hengchun Peninsula will also experience heavy or extremely heavy rains on Tuesday, which are expected to abate throughout the country on Wednesday. Separately, forecasters say that tropical storm Banyan will move westward far south of Taiwan proper and will not affect weather systems in Taiwan. The military has ordered anti-tank missile systems that have proven effective in the war in Ukraine, but delivery of those missiles is being delayed. 
Defense Minister Chou Guozhen said the pandemic and the Ukraine war were partly to blame for the delay, and that the military will still expects the military missiles to be delivered according to an established timeline. That timeline would see some missiles delivered this year and the rest over the next two years. Meanwhile, Cho said rumors that the military is ramping up defense drills are inaccurate, and said that it is following an annual schedule for all exercises. BGM-71 tow and FGM-148 Javelin anti-tank missiles have performed well against Russian invaders in Ukraine. Now, Taiwan's military has ordered these systems from the U.S. for Taiwan's own defense needs. The systems were supposed to arrive by year's end, but now it appears that they will be delayed. The war in Ukraine and the pandemic definitely have an impact on things, but we aren't using those things as an excuse. We aren't blaming the delay entirely on those things, but they are part of the reason. The military has ordered 466 tow and 400 javelin missile systems and expected shipments to arrive this year. However, so far it has not received any tow missiles and has received word that 200 javelins will arrive next year, with the remaining 200 to come in the following year. Defense Minister Chiu Guozheng says that while the delays will impact the military, it is still expecting some shipments to start arriving this year. Everyone's aware that Taiwan encounters these types of obstacles, but we will continue to work hard. The countries we purchase weapons from will also work with us to help solve problems. Sometimes there are simply misunderstandings, and while we think everything will be delayed, that may not be the case. We will still continue to follow the same timeline, and procurements that are delayed this year will be sent to us next year. That's what we're striving for. Of course, when you buy things, you pay a deposit. That's the rule. Taiwan's defenses against China are not just limited to arms. According to the defense minister, Taiwan regularly holds exercises including anti-decapitation drills along Danshui River using Black Hawk helicopters. The military holds lots of drills each year, which include anti-terrorism and anti-decapitation drills, among other exercises. It looks like we are expanding those drills, but we're not. These are just our annual exercises. Our special forces, army and air force hold joint drills like this. A lot of these drills we do every year. There's no special significance to it. Aside from regular joint drills, the military is reportedly planning to recall its 101st Amphibious Reconnaissance Battalion back from the outlying islands to strengthen the defense of Taiwan's political center. With a televised debate scheduled for Saturday, the three leading candidates in Taipei's mayoral race have cut down their public appearances this week. Independent candidate Huang Shanshan is working with former speechwriter of People's First Party Chairman James Song. Meanwhile, KNT candidate Jiang Wan'an is preparing with the help of university professors specializing in speech communication. Over in the DPP, Chen Shizong is working with President Tsai Ing-wen's speechwriter Yao Renduo, as well as experts from academia. Chen said he's practicing responses on 170 political topics, aiming to hone in on key points. The candidates are also preparing questions to ask their opponents and familiarizing themselves with the rules of debate. Reports have surfaced saying that TSMC is planning to establish an advanced chip manufacturing plant in Taoyuan, specializing in one nanometer processes. Analysts say the plant would attract top semiconductor professionals to the area, but add that production may not start until 2027. The Taoyuan mayor and several lawmakers, past and present, say plans to continue expanding the semiconductor industry in Taoyuan have been in the works for several years. It's gains across the board, allowing investors to breathe a sign of relief for now. 
With U.S. stocks recovering and the local elections right around the corner, Taiwan shares closed up 161 points on Monday. TSMC shares closed up 390 NT amid reports that the company is going to set up a 1 nanometer chip fab in Taoyuan's Longtan district. Analysts say the fab would attract many professionals to the area. It can attract leading tech talent from around Taiwan to Taoyuan, but it won't be until 2027 that TSMC can truly launch mass production of 1 nanometer chips. TSMC is actively working on developing advanced manufacturing processes, and its progress toward 1 nanometer chip production have caught public attention. The firm has said it will take many factors into consideration when establishing a fab, adding that it will continue communicating with investors and be open to any possibility. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan and the DPP's mayoral candidate for Taoyuan, Zheng Yunpeng, are reportedly some of the key figures pushing for TSMC to set its 1 nanometer base in Taoyuan. If you all remember, I had a policy before where I hoped to establish a semiconductor institute in Taoyuan, so we welcome big semiconductor companies to invest in building plants in Taoyuan. I would like to thank lawmakers Zheng Yunpeng, Tang Huizhen, and Huang Shijie. They all deeply care for this issue, and discussions on the plan have gone on for three years already. The Taoyuan mayor said discussions between the central and local government to expand the semiconductor industry in Taoyuan had started several years ago. He added that he hoped the policies would help the semiconductor industry further develop in northern Taiwan.